Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Happy holidays. It's the BWI Daily Edition. I'm T Frank riding solo tonight. And always when I am here by myself, that means you are the star of the show. Talking to you, taking your questions about the Rose Bowl. It's here. Well, I mean, it's a week away, but it's Rose Bowl week. So let's get to it on the BWI Daily Edition. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, as you can see. They're in full swing here in the T. Frank household in Pine Grove Studio B. But um, hopefully you're having a good day. As my wife said before I came on the show, you know, people are probably sick of their family anyway. So it's time It's time to talk some football. Uh, we'll be taking your questions throughout the show and uh, getting to what you want to know about Penn State and Utah coming up on Monday. Uh, I've watched the films still got diving through some of it, still working through some parts of the, uh, the Utah offense, but for the most part have a good handle on what Penn State should expect in the Rose bowl, what the team's identity is, what they like to do, what they don't like to do. Uh, and we'll discuss that today, but more importantly, whatever is on your mind, Jason always here. I always appreciate him as one of our regulars here, Steven here as well. It is it's Christmas. It is Christmas, so Merry Christmas, and Charles is definitely sick of his family. So the regulars are all here, and we're going to talk about uh, uh, what you got for Christmas, right? Uh, as always, like the video. That's That helps out. That helps out the channel. That helps out you. That helps out me, especially tonight, because I'm tap dancing up here on a uh, high wire with uh, no net. 
um, I got the, I got some some new stuff, as you might see. And I spent all of today setting it up other than when I was watching film. So I don't have what the professionals will call a rundown today. I don't I don't have a plan for the next hour. We're just going to chat. So uh, get your questions on uh, into the chat and we'll discuss those three those. And uh, and then if you want to, as always, the tip jar is open working the day after Christmas. Oh, I'm such a I'm such a put upon person. So if you'd like to donate to the channel, super appreciated. We'll get to that. Um, no more theatrics, no more odd movements for me. I'll stay roughly in this spot for the rest of the show. Uh, Utah, they're good at football. Th that's where I think we should start with this. Um, if you're wondering, can Penn State do X, Y, or Z? Uh, ask yourself first, would a good football team be fooled by that? And if the answer is no, then Penn State will have a hard time doing that. Just like the Nittany Lions, both of these teams got a lot better throughout the season. Now, I spent a good bit of uh, the bulk of my time watching the defense because I found them very interesting. And kind of like Penn State, they got much better at run defense throughout the year as well. So there are uh, a lot of players that contribute up front. Uh, I wouldn't say there's a superstar, though. There's no Abdul Carter. There's no Chop Robinson for Utah. They are very much a sum of their parts when it comes to all facets of the front seven. And we are all painfully aware that Clark Phillips, the third, who was their top cover corner and also their nickel corner, uh, opted for the draft. He won't be playing. So this defense, despite that, I think is still in a great position to play well, because they are again, a very good defense overall. So the safeties, communicate well with linebackers, communicate well with the corners. They don't make a ton of mistakes. Now, we talk about, you know, teams and we get into these, you know, absolutisms, right? So it sounds like these are professional football players that never make mistakes. That's not true. If you watch the, the Pac-12 championship game, you saw them bust the coverage on like the first or second play for a big uh, either touchdown or a long pass uh, from Caleb Williams. So they will make mistakes. They will uh, do things They'll make they'll they'll play out of structure at times, but for the most part, they they don't do that. This isn't there aren't going to be any easy wins for Penn State. Steven dropping in, he says for the fancy Mike and T Frank in stereo. Yeah, uh, so it only took me a year and a half of doing a professional show to to get a professional mic instead of one that looks like I found it in the garbage. But uh, you know, you save up your pennies and uh, eventually you can you can buy yourself that Christmas goose. So appreciate you noticing, even though I painfully it's like it's like that person who shows up with the new shoes and suddenly that's all they can talk about. I was that kid. I was obviously that kid in high school, by the way. Right. So you show up with your your brand new shoes, your your coolest shirt you got for back to school. Uh, so I was very excited about my mic. I, the, and by the way, there's just no way I'm not going to play with it for the entire show. I'm just, there's no way I'm not going to be moving it and adjusting it. And it's just going to happen. So I apologize if it changes the audio quality for the worse, which is not the intention of, of getting a new mic. So Carrie asks, how should Penn State address the absence of Joey Porter Jr. and Parker Washington? We'll start with uh, Parker Washington because we're talking about the Utah defense. To me, that's the biggest problem is I think we know Penn State's receiving core was not particularly electric this year. And they lost their most reliable, consistent separator amongst that group. And uh, Utah, they, they do a lot of 
different things. One of the things they like to do the most is rush four um, and then play coverage. Without Parker Washington, who is a really good zone beater, a guy that can and get in between zones, find the right spot, settle down, present his numbers to the quarterback, and play in contested coverage, um, that's going to be that's going to be difficult. But uh, one of the things I found when when watching them is they they're kind of crazy. They will run cover zero, which Penn State has seen throughout the season all the way back to the Purdue game, quite a bit. Um, but Utah runs it the most of anybody in the country. They will sell out to stop the RPO and the run game and leave their corners on an island. Now, without Phillips, is are there going to be some holes? Probably, but they also they also gave up yards this way. So this is not like they were an infallible defense. They, they gave up some yards and some touchdowns in these situations. So that's going to be a big part of what Penn State needs to take advantage of. And without Parker Washington, it leaves just Brenton Strange as the, the most successful player against cover zero so far this season. Uh, Strange was the most targeted player in these situations, so having him play in the bowl game is is massive. Um, but not finding another guy to help out with that and and finding somebody, some way to get some separation and get yards when the quarterback has a guy in his face and there's an unblocked pressure, that's going to be a big thing. Joey Porter Jr., I, I don't I don't see a lot of threats from the Utah passing attack. And and truthfully, this isn't the area I need to dig into most because it's fourth on the list. Defense, run defense, defense coverage, uh, the rushing attack, and then finally uh, the Utah passing attack. That's the order in which I'm watching things. So I got through the defense and good chunk of the run game today and the pass protection. Haven't really got to the receivers uh, because I kind of I, I kind of know watch this team enough. I've watched uh, Cam Rising enough to kind of know, but I, I haven't dug into the specifics. Um, but with Joey Porter Jr., I think Penn State would have had a massive advantage when it comes to shutting down Utah's passing attack. Without him, I think they have an advantage in shutting down uh, Utah's passing attack. Um, let's see who else we got here. And there's going to be a lot of ums tonight because I'm trying to read and talk to you at the same time. But the, the main takeaway from what I watched of the Utah defense is that they are a very good team, but individual facets of their defense are only okay. So the defensive tackles, I think, are by and large average football players in terms of they're big. They don't play like massive, immovable objects, but they're quick. They fill their gaps. They are in their spots for the most part. You can move them off the line with double teams, but Penn State has struggled to consistently get movement with double teams anyway. So is that I, I kind of see that as a wash. The interesting thing is I mentioned they play cover zero a lot. I don't know that they necessarily want to play cover zero all the time. It's an identity that has developed this season. Uh, but this is a team that very much like Brent Pry previously, I think they want to be a more conservative cover three, cover four, throw in some cover two in there every once in a while, play play safe zone coverages, right? And then allow the front four to go after it. Every Every smart defense coordinator would love that but they don't have a pass rusher that uh, is on the level of some of the, the guys that Penn State can deploy uh, along the defensive line, at, at the edge especially. Fascinating situation here where their best two guys didn't start the season. Gabe Reed, number 91, you're going to see him a lot on, uh, on Monday. I think he is probably their best overall defender on the defensive line. 
really good run defender, hard to keep out of the backfield. Um, he has six sacks on the season and 40 pressures, according to PFF. So that puts him in line with what Chop Robinson has done. But, uh, you know, the qual- this is, gets into some of the nerdy stuff. The quality of the wins, they're not, as, they're not great. Like, there are, if you rush just four with these guys, they don't get home. And if you, the story of the Utah season is kind of intertwined with their battle against USC. In the first game in uh, in Salt Lake, they rushed four, and Caleb Williams tore them apart. In the conference championship game, they brought five. They played a lot of cover zero, like I talked about. And with the injury to Caleb Williams during the game, they were able to shut down that offense. And part of the reason why they have to they, they had to make that change is because they don't have a Chop Robinson. They have a lot of good pressure players. Uh, Muhammad Diabate, the linebacker, leads them with seven sacks, kind of like Abdul Carter. The, the, the theme you're going to see is that these two teams are incredibly similar. Two teams that, you know, have good secondaries that play with a lot of pressure and a lot of movement on the defensive line. And uh, it's just varying degrees of talent and areas of strength. But Reed and then the other pass rusher, Connor O'Toole, I think is the other guy that is a a a good pass rusher who is, is on that same kind of level. Both these guys didn't start the year and they finished the year as the starters. Now O'Toole hasn't been as impactful, uh, but he is one of the guys that I think can get home. Jonah Ellis is another one who has four sacks on the season. Um, so with the pass rush, it's kind of a, you, you look at, you look at it two ways. You're masking some deficiencies but you're also using the strength of your secondary, leaving them on an island and allowing them uh, to to help out your your defensive line. So, Olufashanu and Caden Wallace, if they're going to play, which they've both had an extended time to recover, my assumption would be that they're going to play, but I that's not a reportable fact or anything. It's just the feeling of how long they've been out vaguely knowing the type of injuries they may have sustained, you know, the, the timelines, everything it, it, it matches up pretty well for Penn state to have what could be most of their starting line, offensive uh, offensive line back. Of course, uh, Landon Tangwell done for the season, but you get those two guys back. That's a massive, that's a massive advantage for Penn state. If they can hold up on the edge, they've got the veteran veteran players in depth that tackle back. That's huge. So, that's going to be an interesting matchup, how Utah wants to play this. And remember, both teams have had a month off. So everything we've seen on film, they could do something completely different because they've had all kinds of time to prepare. Um, uh, this is this is the, the kind of structure of the defense in, uh, in, in vague terms. When it comes to the run defense, it's, it's funny. Everything, kind of like cover zero, everything is, Across college football is the same, it seems like. Everyone runs the same things, including um, some of the same concepts that Manny Diaz runs. So Utah loves line games, stunts, slants, moving defensive linemen, which again is why if you've got big, beefy guys and you're not asking them to absorb double teams necessarily, you're asking them to move and pivot. Size is is part of the equation because you don't want to get moved off the spot, but it also isn't like you're anchoring in the front. You're trying to take on double teams. You're two gapping any of those things. They don't do too much of that. Um, they also like to move their defense vents and stunt them back 
uh, in kind of like a zone movement. Everyone has been doing this thing in college football where you blitz from one side and then you peel back the defense vend. And if in Penn State's case, you drop him in the flat. In Utah's case, they drop him back to Will Linebacker. So it's an interesting situation. Everyone runs the same stuff. And it's the BWI Daily Edition. We're live here. Uh, my internet, once again, is betraying me, it seems. So I apologize if the connection is unstable. Working through all of that. And yes, Rockefeller, uh, it, it, was, it was a very good Thanksgiving. Or Christmas. Thanksgiving. Jeez. Um, some of your questions here in the chat. Let's get to some of this stuff. Andrew, he's got a comment. He says, Utah starts slowly, then get better as the game goes on, especially effective in the middle eight minutes of the game. They physically demolished USC in both games, but Penn State, of course, has a better defense. Yes, I would agree that Penn State is a better defense because they don't have a six foot five linebacker that is 200 pounds. He looked like he was uh, trying out for eighth grade football out there. It was crazy looking at that linebacker, 18 for USC. Um, the part about that that I think is interesting, Andrew, is we remember what we want to remember. So early in the game, Utah wasn't necessarily, specifically in the conference championship game, they weren't mowing down USC. They were methodical. They get four yards a chunk. They get a run here. They get a run there. But I, I think we all remember the results of these things. And, and maybe to your point of they get stronger as the game goes on. USC couldn't hold on to the football. So the defense did get tired for USC and they were out there the entire second half. Now is, is the running game specifically for Utah? The reason that they were worn down and the body blows and all that stuff. Yes. And no, yes, they were able to maintain drives, physically punish the Utah, or the, the USC defense and, and stay out there. Was it that they were so physically dominant that they were able to just take it to USC. No. USC missed tackles. USC got tired because their offense, it was, you know, the opposite of whatever complimentary football is. So um, I, I just, I always find these narratives fascinating because when you tell me like a team is physically dominant and then I go in and I see them playing like every other team I, fa I, I watch, then I go, that doesn't make any sense to me. So it's the it's the four or five plays a game that we remember, but the the vast swath of what Utah does is methodically running the football in inside and outside zone. There's nothing specific about it. There's nothing exceptional about it. I'd say that even among uh, zone teams, they're good, but they make again they make mistakes as well, physical, mental mistakes or otherwise. Um, I think this is a good point here that Bill brings up. Williams with both legs tore them up after he had one leg. It was over. Hopefully Clifford plays with two legs for four quarters. <laughs> I feel like we're doing a math problem. One quarterback had two legs for four quarters while another had one leg for half. Which one was the better quarterback? I think that's a very fair point. Watching that game, it wasn't just the, it wasn't just the effectiveness. It was the confidence that Caleb Williams was playing with. He, without his superpower, which is his scrambling ability, he was still, I think an effective quarterback, but not a Heisman level candidate. That was a huge part of the game is, is when you going back to our conversation about cover zero, if you're able to escape the pocket, huge plays can happen. And that did happen at times this season to this defense. But if you're a sitting duck, it's, it's not, it's not like, it's not like they were worried about him breaking contain. So even your regular rushes where you might want to, kind of hold him in the pocket and not go as hard. 
that allows you to just pin your ears back the entire game with a team that you know their offense was also predicated on his zone running ability. So without his without his other leg, both facets of their offense were were uh, I think limited severely. Uh, let's see what else we got here in the chat. We have uh, Stephen giving a Greek salad dressing. That is not uh, something we're going to be talking about, although it looks delicious. Um, we got a couple more people who want to talk about the the offensive line. Good offensive line, number one running back, number one tight end. Yeah, they're going to be missing Dalton Kincaid, which is huge. I think that's an interesting situation where both teams are missing their top receiver. But even in a year where Penn State is down at receiver and down overall in the in the uh, pass catching category, Penn State still has more viable options than uh, than Utah does, in my opinion. Now the the offense runs through the tight ends. There's no there's no way around it. The offense runs through the tight ends. Uh, but let's talk about the the offensive line for a second because this is an area that I, I think it was more interesting than I expected because they are possibly the best offensive line I've seen since the Michigan game, which, uh, you know, <laughs> was its own thing. But the tackles are the strength of this unit. And they've got two pretty good tackles. The guy you see here on screen, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, that is uh, Braden Daniels. He's a left tackle. Very good football player. Has not given up a sack so far this season. Um, and then on the right side, this guy's the fascinating one. But, by the way, very young offensive line. Most of these guys are sophomores. But uh, always trying to find everybody's name at the last second. Saratoa Lomia. And if that is, uh, if it sounds like I was hesitant to say his name, I absolutely was. Um, this guy really likes to hurt people. As a run blocker, he plays huge. Uh, he's only six foot four, 300 pounds. But watching him on film, I expected him to be like 320, 325. So if you're talking about guys that can move people, he's absolutely one of the guys that can move people. The left guard is also a very physical run blocker. Um, and the tackles are better at pass protection than I expected. This team, historically, uh, they put a couple of linemen in the NFL for sure. Um, but they also have had some linemen that uh, aren't as good especially on the right side of the offensive line. This is kind of the, the conversation we have when we talk about Iowa or some of the other programs that are specifically focus on the offensive line and run blocking. And the identity of this team is the, the zone run blocking. So with this group, traditionally, they do struggle to find guys that can do both. Pass protector, have the flexibility in the bend to play on the outside. Um, you know, both these guys are young. I think eventually they're going to be very, very, very good. They're good right now. And I think that they're going to give Penn State a challenge, especially Daniels, the left tackle. Um, but if you can force this team to get behind, kind of like Penn State, you can see some of the warts start to show up. Um, and, and with what's his name again? <laughs> Lomia. With Lomia, you can't. I, I think that in this situation, You've got Chop Robinson coming off the right side. If you let if you let him go and you get a lead in this game and you force them to throw the football in obvious passing situations, I think that's a definite advantage for Penn State. On the inside, good pass protectors, good unit, but that's where you find right guard. They've they cycled through a couple of players. 
Bills, when you put him in obvious passing situations, he turns into a run blocker only sort of guy. So they're going to be an interesting group to watch because if you do let them get into their rhythm and you do let them pick up a couple first downs and you grind, you let them grind a little bit, you're going to have a problem eventually. But one of the things I find the most interesting is against, you know, kind of drawing on some comparisons, Michigan had a good offensive line. They did different things than Utah and they did some surprising things in that game. I don't know if I've ever seen Utah do anything very surprising in the run game. Inside zone, outside zone, inside zone, read option, inside zone, read option out. They do the same thing repeatedly. They just are effective or not effective at it. And if there's one thing that Penn State has done very well at over the course of the season, it is when you give them a, a, a run scheme they can read, they will attack downhill and they will make you pay for letting them, you know, tipping them off. So with this group, I think Penn State, despite that I think this is a very good offensive line, I think Penn State can play with this team. I think they'll be able to uh, they'll be able to fight back, and it's going to be about who executes better. Now, there's no Abdul Carter over there, but for Penn State, there is Abdul Carter on this uh, on, on that sideline. His ability to play and play well. I think is a difference maker in this game because this is a very good running back group. They're kind of interchangeable. They all do something a little bit better or worse, but as a group, they're very, there are very few, there are very few guys on this group that can't handle themselves. Jackson and uh, Tavion Thomas are the lead runners. Glover is in there as well. Um, they cycle through these running backs and, and, you know, they, they have a pecking order, but I, I view them, relatively outside of Thomas as kind of interchangeable players. And I think he's good. He's a stable, reliable running back. I don't think he has the explosiveness of some of the other guys they have in the backfield, um, but a good group overall. Um, looking at some of the other questions here, Bill is very active tonight, hoping 33 for PSU sees a lot of time. Often these freshmen show big gains in the month of practice uh, in the month of practice for the bowl games. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Penn State plays some of the young players uh, on the roster. Are they going to cycle in more or less in a game where you're going against a good opponent? That They had the final month of the season basically as a, I don't want to say as a preseason, but sort of. So are they going to play all those guys or are they going to kind of shorten the rotation against a team that as we've uh, discussed they're 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 a very good football team. So Steven asks, time for the inevitable QB who shall be not uh not be named. Will Clifford run? One of the areas this defense, and I appreciate you, Steven, one of the areas that the Utah defense has struggled with, you go and you watch uh, a couple of the games. A lot of athletic quarterbacks in the Pac 12. Dorian Thompson Robinson. Sean Clifford is not Dorian Thompson Robinson. But there were a couple of areas that teams kind of emulated throughout the season. We mentioned Caleb Williams, DTR, um, a couple other players. Bo Nix is a good, you know, athletic quarterback. These guys had success with some quarterback options. The quarterback run game was a big part of ways that you could attack the Utah defense. And it's not all about the quarterback running as much as it is isolating a player in space. If they read, you know, they they are they're a good football team. You're not going to make them make too many mistakes, 
But if you get them isolated in space, you can get a defensive end, maybe a linebacker isolated on one of your athletes. That was a way that teams were able to attack to the outside pulls some quarterback misdirection, but Clifford has to keep the ball. He has to be a viable threat and on film. He's not presented himself as an overly viable threat this year. So if Penn state runs up the gut and it's inside zone with quarterback option, which is just option in air quotes, and there's no real threat that Clifford's going to keep the ball. Then they can do what they do, which is kind of like the Penn state defense attack, be downhill, be disciplined, be in their gap and be physical. And that's, that's going to be a long day for both teams. If, if we get to that point, honestly, I think this is going to be a very low scoring game um, because neither offense is really set up for explosive plays and uh, especially Utah. They, they have to work within their formula to make it happen. But for, for Clifford running is going to be a big part of this opening up some opportunities on the inside, making the linebackers hesitate a little bit and having them forcing them to respect the backside of an option. So um, how Penn state goes about that, I think if they lean into that too heavily, they're getting away from what they were good at, which is winning with formations more than anything and winning with um, unpredictability in the running game and then unpredictability in the system you're going to be running from certain positions and certain formations. You still have Thea Johnson and Bretton Strange in the game. Um, you know, your offensive line should be healthy. So these Pence should have options in the run game to attack Utah. Uh, what they're going to need to do then is find some sort of passing attack to go with that. Now, the problem is, like I said, this defense, if they if they attack and they bring their cover zero, are we getting good cliff? Or are we getting bad cliff? And that's gonna be that's gonna be a as always a huge de- deciding factor in this game. But Cam Rising's the same quarterback. Cam Rising is I this year he's played better than Sean Clifford. If you look at kind of the statistics, they're in the same ballpark. Uh, Rising's been a little more efficient. He's put the ball in harm's way a little bit less. But if you attack Cam Rising and you force him to throw the football, he will throw the football to the other team. He'll make some spectacular plays. He's had more good Sean Clifford games than bad Sean Clifford games, but he's had a lot of Sean Clifford games. So uh, there you go. (laughs) Whichever team is more effective at making Sean Clifford play like Sean Clifford, whether it's the Utah Sean Clifford or the Penn State Sean Clifford, that's going to be that's going to be a, a huge deciding factor in this game. A couple of other things: How is Penn State going to replace uh, Parker Washington in the slot? Not just that they're losing him. How are they going to replace him? Um, what we saw at the end of the season was that they didn't change the rotation nearly at all in terms of the players on the football field. They changed where guys played. Mitchell Tinsley moved into the slot. DeAndre Lambert-Smith moved over to the X and they put in uh, Harrison Wallace at the Trey Wallace at the Z. That didn't go well. That was not a good recipe for this group. But now they've had time. They've had a little bit of time uh, to tinker with it, to think about maybe some players in the best position and then let those players adjust to that position. We saw, uh, for example, you know, during last season's bowl game, we saw Curtis Jacobs move over to the will for the first time. And they set up some of the moves they want to make for the next year during the bowl game. So who's playing in the slot? And that'll determine where everything goes after that. 
Now, some of the things I think make a little more sense and some of the things we've talked about, by the way, best place to have these conversations is at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Sign up for 10 bucks. You get access to the insider uh, lines and message form. We did this show all day over there. And we had conversations about uh, a lot of these different topics, the Utah defense. You sign up for $10. You get access to all that. And uh, it's all the way until next football season. Um, but one of the things we, that has been floated around, some of the ideas, is Keandre Lambert-Smith moving to the slot. He's not a very physical football player. He struggles maintaining his position in a route against press man coverage. But he's fast. And, and if you can get him to win those situations, you could have a big play. Well, the best place to protect a player is in the slot. So if Tinsley stays at his position, um, you keep Wallace where he is, he becomes a starter, and you move Lambert Smith into the slot, you might have a recipe for some big plays. That is an actual place where Pensei could find maybe more efficiency with this group than they had previously, or at least more explosive plays. Maybe, maybe less efficiency without Parker Washington, but more explosive plays. So, um, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, by the way, in the chat, can you tell me if, if the audio is okay? I have been uh, desperately trying to fix my internet situation, and it's still telling me that I have terrible internet, which is, by the way, w- when we moved in here, one of my greatest fears was that we were going to have bad internet. So let me know if you are, uh, if you're able to hear the show here on the YouTube channel, if it's staying stable for you guys. I hope it is. I hope you heard that and it made sense what I tried to say. Uh, oh, perfect. Again, Steven right on top of it. He says audio is great. Um, while the audio is great, I want to talk to you about one of the things this holiday season that maybe uh, was in Mrs. T. Frank's stocking. Maybe it wasn't. Won't say. Uh, that would be Rogue Shop. Rogue Shop is a husband and wife outfit uh, that uh, they are specialized in small batch, sustainable plant medicine, holistic business that is aimed at helping you with some of the problems in your life, whether it's stress, anxiety, sleep is a huge thing. If you can sleep well, you'll live a long, full, happy life. But if you can't sleep for pain, stress, whatever it is, finding a way that is not, you know, detrimental to your being uh, to fall asleep and stay asleep. I fall asleep. Great. Staying asleep is a problem. And one of the things that helped me a lot is the Delta 9 gummies from Rogue Shop. You take one, 40 minutes. It it depends on who you are. I take one about 40 minutes before bed. You start to feel drowsy. You feel good, you know. And then you fall asleep. And for me, I stay asleep most of the night. And when I wake up, I'm not ping alert. 
I'm not when you wake up and you're like, all right, well, I'm going to walk around the house. I'll do laps. Maybe I'll grab a snack from the kitchen or whatever it is. Wake up, take care of whatever, go back to sleep, and I'm asleep immediately. Check out rogueshop.com. They believe, by the way, in helping you with holistic healing medicines. Uh, had the chance, pleasure to talk to Richard, Mr. Rogue. He believes in what he's talking about. He believes in helping out and believes in the mission that they have. And, and that's, you can't fake that. So check them out, rogueshop.com. And of course, throw this up here. Use the promo code BWI for 10% off when you shop at Rogue Shop. That's BWI for 10% off at rogueshop.com. Okay, taking your questions here in the chat. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, Make sure to donate for better audio. Uh, if you could talk to Verizon and have them run some fiber out to my house, I, I, will, I, will, I will personally donate for that. Um, we're talking about Penn State versus Utah. So if you've got any questions about the team, you want to talk about a specific matchup in the game, let me know. We've gone through a lot of the things that I, you know, we, we've seen on film from the Utah defense and then from the offense. Um, the, let me just give you how good uh, Dalton Kincaid was this year. And by the way, Dalton Kincaid, their, their uh, tight end extraordinaire, was the second tight end, Brent Keithy, was their number one tight end who sounds like uh, you ever have the, that kid whose mom always calls him home for dinner. Like I just, I just hear Keithy it's time for dinner. So Keithy was their number one tight end. That means absolutely nothing, but uh, it just, it was in my brain the entire time. Dalton Kincaid, 900 yards receiving eight touchdowns. And uh, that is he's almost 300 yards more than the next um, next leading receiver. Devon Valet was the the number one receiver in the in the group. But when you watch him play, he's a guy that runs the right route and then catches the football. And that's what he does. He does not separate. He doesn't have dynamic speed. There's not really defining characteristics about him other than he's where the ball he he's where he's supposed to be when the ball comes. And if somebody else is there, I don't know how that's going to go for him. So for Penn State, this 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 defense or this the Penn State defense should have a massive advantage in the secondary, and they should be able to allocate as many resources as they need to to the run game. Now, what they need to do is not over pursue in the run game. If if they find themselves in play action situations where they're out of position, that's going to be a problem. But this is going to be a big Curtis Jacobs game. I don't think that's anything that anyone should be surprised by. This is going to be Penn State's going to go to their big base. Carter uh, and uh, and Jacobs will be on the field at the same time. So how they play that after that be interesting with Sutherland, his final game. I think he'll, he'll see the field quite a bit, but this should be just like a lot of games in the big 10 this year. This should be a big base game for the majority of the game. The interesting thing is for, for the Utah defense, I was looking through some of the, the teams they've played and they've never seen themselves across the field. So, they haven't seen a team that plays two tight ends and goes under center and runs the football and tries to establish the run. The Pac-12 is filled with a lot of spread teams. So I don't know exactly how they're going to play against this team. My guess is that if Penn State tries to play big and, and bring two tight ends on the field, maybe bring three tight ends on the field, condense the formation and run outside, I don't think that's going to work very well because this team is pretty gap sound. 
and they like to hit. I was watching one play against USC, and uh, I think it was the linebacker, Muhammad, uh, is, is blitzing. And he's not near the play. USC tight end motions into the formation. There's probably a three-yard gap between him and the right tackle. And at the snap, the edge rusher just runs the tight end over. He's not going to get to the quarterback. He's not going to affect the play whatsoever. But it was his job to pass rush. <laughs> so he put his head into the chest of that guy, ran him over, and, and that was it. That was the end of the play for those two. Um, that's just like, that's what they like to do. They hit, they're aggressive. They flow to the football. They're fast. So I, they're not elite speed, but they've got enough speed across the board that I think if Penn State comes out in their condensed formations and tries to run to the outside, I, I, I just, I don't think that's going to work. I think you're going to have to work a little bit harder for it in this game. Um, who loses more with the opt-outs says, uh, Bruno, uh, Bruno, this is dead even. I don't think anyone loses more or less. This is absolutely 100% dead even. Both teams lost their top cover corner, and both teams lost their top receiver. Um, I would say the slight advantage to Penn State because there aren't as the, the depth of players um, for, for Utah is just not as great. Somebody had mentioned that Utah's highest recruiting class ranking was like 31st, and, and that's that's where you sh that's where this stuff shows up. So. You got a couple top line starters for Utah, especially at, let's let's say defensive tackle, which I think is maybe the biggest weakness on this team. So you've got a couple guys that are that are pretty good. Junior Tafuna uh, is a good defensive tackle, but after that, it kind of falls off. You got a couple guys, like I said, that stay in their position, they stay in their gap, but you can beat those guys. Penn State goes three deep of of players that have flashed and been good and have, uh, I think, passed the test this year. Defensive end, it took them a while to find a couple guys that could rush the passer. They've got a stable of them, but I don't know that, you know, maybe the backup linebackers are, are as good as Penn State's, considering that Tyler Elston and Kobe King are carbon copies of each other, which is kind of okay so far this year. So it's not across the board. Penn State is absolutely the better team, but they do have, I think, an advantage in depth of overall talent, which should not be a surprise. That has been James Franklin's um, thing, been recruiting and developing talent. Um, Craig asks, or Craig says, Cliff must have his A game. I don't, I don't know that Sean Clifford needs to be the biggest factor in this game. Um, now, he can be, but... The main thing is going to be, and, and maybe I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here. Whoever gets the lead first in this game is going to win, or at least have a massive advantage and force the other team uh, to do things outside of the character of their their overall unit. So if Sean Clifford can play within himself and play a clean game, and if that means a game, then yes. Um, you can't throw the football to the other team here and expect them not to come away with points. Although... Um, uh, Whittingham, the head coach, he loves his field goals. He will, he will kick the field goal. He's become more aggressive, actually, the older he's gotten. But at his heart, uh, he is Kyle Whittingham is a defensive minded coach and he wants to score enough points to win and then suffocate you. Um, so they need to score points in this game. 
they need to make sure they rack up a lot of yards and points early and then force Utah to chase them because I, you know, that group doesn't have the same, again, the same depth of receiving talent. Now they've, they've chewed through two tight ends. Uh, so they, they do have very good football players, but I don't know that they have the, the, the horses to keep up if Penn state is able to get some explosive plays. And that is a long winded way of saying Nick Singleton might have to have an a game. Nick Singleton might have to be the guy that gets the explosive play. Katron Allen makes some guys miss and you get those yards after contact. I think that's more along the lines of it's going to have to lead from there. And then the rest of the team is going to be a part of it. Um, and that, that means getting them in space. That means getting them in advantageous matchups, helping them become the guys that they need to be. Um, kind of it, you know, on this group, I think it's a pretty straightforward game. I think it's good. My feeling has been it's going to be a low scoring game because both teams are defensive oriented groups that have very good schemes, carbon copies of one another. And uh, whoever is able to score first is going to take home this game, I think. So if you got any more questions, throw them in the chat. I'll filibuster here for a little bit, but that might be it for the BWI Daily Edition. Have yourself a very Merry Christmas. I hope you and your family have a very happy new year. Happy holidays. Happy other time of the year, whatever you might be celebrating. We'll be back tomorrow with a recruiting show on the BWI Daily Edition. We'll talk to you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.